What is up, guys? Welcome to From the Box Office, Episode 8. I'm Vince, here with my co-host Mike, and today is... Today's a big one because it's our first uh, 2023. It's like our first big review. We got Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. And then uh, besides that, just a little bit of news. Uh, as always, Mike is our local newsman, so I will turn it over to him. Yeah, man, we're going to start off with some MCU news, as we usually do. Uh, we'll get into some Ant-Man and the Quantumania a little later in the pod. Yes, sir. Uh, but this week we learned that the Marvels was delayed from, uh, I believe it was July until November 10th, uh, putting it in a sharing a weekend with uh, David Fincher's next film, The Killer. And it's the week after Dune Part Two, the week before the Hunger Games prequel. So it's a little damn, that's kind of like a little logjam in November. Yeah, I mean, coming out the week after Dune Part Two is in a, especially when you're dealing with characters that aren't as popular, whether you know warranted or unwarranted, they just aren't as popular as other MCU characters. To, so hopefully they'll be able to you know compete. I I think they pushed it back. You know, like I'm pretty sure Bob Iger has been coming out with some quotes about like the whole like too much quantity and stuff mm-hmm. and not trying to do, which honestly is a great thing to hear because I think maybe two episodes ago I said, I hope the MCU doesn't become like watered down because of, you know, the Disney layoffs and them losing subscribers might lead to them thinking they always need Marvel or star Wars content. So honestly, it's pretty nice to hear Bob Iger say that mm-hmm. it gives me a little bit of hope. And also like, it's undeniable that when he was in charge of Disney, like the MCU was not saying it's bad now, but it was, that was their peak though. It was their peak. Right. So hopefully with comments like this, uh, It'll be better. Obviously, I'm like, I'm kind of neutral about the movie being pushed back. I'm don't get me wrong. I will see it. I'm excited for it in a in a weird way. I don't know why. I don't like love any of the characters necessarily, but I still am kind of excited to see what they do with it. But if they need the more time, then like I'm not going to complain. I'd rather them take more time and make this a good movie than you know try to pump it out. Yeah, for sure. After especially after that uh, mid credit at the end of the Miss Marvel series, where her and Carol. Carol Danvers, they switch bodies. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, when it comes to the box office and making money, you know, that dude who saw Captain Marvel 140 times, (laughs) I'm sure he'll do the same for uh, this film as well. I'm sure he's very upset about the news. I think that that helped Iger and Disney uh, make that decision that in terms from a financial standpoint, because they'll still have him at the front of the line. Yeah, I'll tell you what. The reason I might be so excited is because it has a cool poster. I'll give them that. So far, the, the poster, poster was really cool. Yeah, we've gotten Marvel, especially. They've gotten too in, into that that weird poster where it shows you know the one big face, just everyone's faces, the floating heads. It's yeah, the, every single poster now. It's no not even just Marvel, posters, but yeah. But, yeah uh, so I'm excited to see. see more. I'm excited to see more of Monica Rambeau's character. Mm-hmm. Um, Listen, Brie Larson, I know she got a lot of shit for her performance in the first Captain Marvel. And uh, listen, you could have debates about whether you think that is because just because it's a female led movie or whether you actually have problems with it. And look, if you're on, there are problems to be had. She is a little mm-hmm. boring, but I feel like that's more on what the script was giving her. Yeah, than her own. Brie Larson yeah. is a great Brie Larson's a great actress. So Academy Award winning actress. Yeah. So I hope they give her like more range of emotion and like a little more to do here and maybe, you know, have her taking on like a big sister type role to, uh, mm-hmm. 
I miss Marvel, whose character's name I can't remember for some reason, but like that would be Kamala an interesting, Khan. yeah, Kamala Khan. Like that would be an interesting dynamic if maybe, you know, Monica and uh, Carol take on like a sisterly type role for her. And that mm-hmm. gives them a little bit of a broader range of emotion. So I, I'm excited for what it could be. Uh, like I said, I'm not too like down about it being pushed back. If they feel like they need more time, then who am I to tell them otherwise? Yeah, for sure. Uh, some more news that came out. Uh, Venom 3 is apparently in pre-production. They are storyboarding that. They haven't written it yet, but they are preparing uh, a story for the next installment of the Venom. What are, what are your thoughts S- on Spider-Verse? What are your thoughts on the Sony Venom movies? I, I need to hear what you think first. So I like the first one. The first one's not a bad movie. It's not great. But compared to the other schlock that we've gotten with the Sony Spider-Verse um, I th- it, I mean, it's better than Amazing Spider-Man Two. It's better than Morbius. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's on par, I would say, with the first Amazing Spider-Man, where they're both fun movies. They're not great movies, but you know they're in like that six to seven flick range that we love to talk about. Yeah. But Venom I've only Two seen bits and pieces of Venom Two. Venom Two is dog shit. It's yeah. an I love the comeback of the 90 90 minute movie but for something like that pacing is also it's crazy to waste woody harrelson as uh, cletus cassidy by the way that an incredible casting and just to waste it and make and carnage is one of the i think carnage might be the coolest spider-man villain yeah he's he's under he's underused which is honestly good he's not like you know the goblin or doc ock who pop up all the time when carnage pops up he's cool and he's like He's like the one villain that is – he's a serial killer with a symbiote. Like he's just mm-hmm. murking people. Yeah. My, so my thoughts with the Venom thing is like – and don't get me wrong. I know uh, Sony would never go this route because they're trying to go the blockbuster route. But like I just have a problem and, – and it's hard to do it without Spider-Man. And that's number one why I think this whole like series is just a bad idea. It's like mm-hmm. Venom is Spider-Man's – uh, top two, top three, biggest villain. And, like, you're yeah. making Venom movies where he is not a villain. He's the main character. Uh, he's, you know, quote-unquote the anti-hero. Yeah. So what I was about to say is I know they're going the blockbuster route, and they would never do this, but, like, I just don't love the direction of a comedic Venom. Like, I just mm-hmm. don't – it's not my thing. If there was ever going to be a solo Venom movie, I would almost want it to be, like, horror. Like, Venom yeah, like- is a scary – Mm-hmm. villain in in, in a spider-man he's like one of the scariest villains in marvel in general he's a big ass monster alien that eats people like I, I just don't love going the comedy route with it and like basically making it like in a way like a buddy cop movie with you know eddie and venom having comedic conversations it's listen the first movie fun as hell i'll give you that i'm not yeah, gonna complain about that it's it's fun. It's just above like mid. It's a good popcorn movie. Third on, have some fun, enjoy it, but whatever. But I just I don't know how this is getting to three movies now. Like, what are we doing here? It's time to end this and just I'm ready. I know that they teased it at the end of No Way Home with uh, Tom Hardy's appearance and the glob of the symbiote being left behind in the MCU. Like, I'm ready for Marvel's Venom to come in and like. Mm-hmm. Listen, Tom Hardy's great, but like I said, I'm just not a fan of the way they've portrayed it, and I hope Marvel goes a little bit more of the menacing villain uh, route than the anti-hero comedic character. Because I grew up on like scary Venom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we haven't gotten would... we haven't gotten a good live action Venom yet. Like the first one again was fine, but Spider-Man three it was horrible. Uh, yeah, Topher Grace just was so yeah. he was the most out of place casting 
maybe ever by Marvel. I, I love Topher Grace, but yeah, that movie was just and even bad. The, even the character design of Venom, making him not like that huge, uh, like scary presence, and making him just like basically Topher Grace, Topher Grace covered in, yeah, symbiote, you know, yeah. Spider Man suit basically. Mm-hmm. It was kind of corny. And then having also, I know we're just kind of going off on a rant about Spider-Man 3, but like having him, like while he's Venom, talk in the Topher Grace voice. And also pretty much at every single moment, he's really like in focus on camera. The the symbiote comes down to reveal his face because, you know, it's Topher Grace. And I'm sure he signed a contract to let his actual face be seen. It kills all the tension. I agree. Yeah. So, yeah, we I would love to see a good Venom. Yeah, I'm hoping, adaptation here. I, I, honestly, I know this isn't a movie, but you know, I know you're getting into PlayStation games, and I'm pretty sure you mm-hmm. played the Spider-Man Spider-Man games for mm-hmm. PS5. Uh, the Spider-Man Two game that's coming out, Venom is going to be like one of the main villains. I think it's him and Craven the Hunter, and it looks like they're going to go the horror out with that. So that should be fun. Yeah, that's November. November, I believe, right? November yeah, 2023. I don't know if you remember back in the day. Did you ever play the uh, the Ultimate Spider-Man video game for like the PS2, like that era? It, it's like uh-uh. I played the a, normal Spider, like when Spider-Man 2 came out. Right, it was on right. PS2. I played that. They had a game for PS2, the Ultimate Spider-Man, which like Venom was the main villain, and like there were there were portions of the game where you got to play as Venom, and it was kind of funny. Like your health would deteriorate over time until you literally had to walk up to civilians and consume them. It, it was kind of crazy for a kids game, but like honestly, oh, yeah. I think it'd be pretty cool if Spider-Man 2 let you play as Venom a little bit. Sorry, That's I didn't mean to go off on a sidetrack there. It's pretty badass. I love that. Yeah, it's cool. So yeah, I'm hoping that we can get a good live action Venom in the MCU. Just make it a little scarier, man. He let him be a villain. Yeah. If you want to go the anti hero route down the line, that's fine. But mm-hmm. like, start off as a villain. Yeah, Sony just has to figure out that whole Spider Verse shit out because it's not working so far. It's just a bad idea to build a live action Spider Man universe with no Spider Man. Yeah, I fully agree. Uh, Steven Yoon has been cast in Thunderbolts. Uh, apparently his role will be significant and integral to the future of the MCU. Uh, I love this. Uh, last night I just watched Okja uh, by Bong Joon-ho, uh, starring Steven Yoon in a supporting role. I think we may have lost Vince. Technical difficulties. All right, we're back. Uh, as I was saying, uh, Stephen Yoon was cast in Thunderbolts. Uh, They say that his role will be significant and integral to the future of the MCU. Uh, Other than that, they didn't really give uh, any sort of hint to who he could be playing. Right. I mean, that that's awesome. Steven Yeun is like one of the best. Uh, I wouldn't say he's even newer, but I, I guess like newer, younger actors out there. And like he's coming. He's on a big come up recently. Yeah. With, you know, Invincible and his role in Nope. Everyone seemed mm-hmm. to love. So honestly, you know, we don't have too much to say about it because we don't know what character it's going to be. But, you know, that's cool. I mean, whatever it is, whether it's a superhero or like somebody in, you know, sword or shield or whatever you want to run mm-hmm. with nowadays. So, yeah, I'm excited for that. He's a great actor. 
Yeah, I was hoping for uh, maybe a Mr. Negative for a Spider-Man movie. But since it's coming up in Thunderbolts, so some people yeah. are, some people have some inklings to who they think he might be. They think he could be playing Sentry or Amadeus Cho, the Beyonder. I'm not very familiar with these characters. The Beyonder uh, appearing in the Thunderbolts will be kind of huge. Yeah, uh, I don't know much, but that's just some hints at what some people think. Hey, I'll uh, take whatever, man. Cast, it's maybe, it's yeah. just it's nice that he's not going to be wasted and he's going to be playing a serious big role. So yeah, for sure. So I'm hyped to see that. Uh, Jeff Loveness says he and Destin Daniel Cretton are currently planning the story for Kang Dynasty, and they are including Jonathan Majors in the process, asking him where he wants to go with this character. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. He's, he's going to be the overarching villain of the next possible three phases of your thing so like absolutely you gotta include him and ask him what's up he's he's essentially like your in a way he's like your iron man right now because pretty much he's like, yeah. the, he's like the biggest for uh overarching character at this point so yeah i'm excited i mean we'll talk more about jonathan majors when we break down ant-man but like yeah it sounds about right and considering he's playing so many different characters throughout the mcu i think that's very important. Yeah, I'll be playing, you know, a million different versions of uh, Kang, so. Yeah. Uh, so that's it with Marvel news. Uh, we're going to get into some normal news now. The uh, Haunted Mansion, uh, a big movie of my childhood. Uh, it's starring Owen Wilson, Rosario Dawson, Lakeith Stanfield, Winona Ryder, and Jared Leto. Uh, it's releasing on July 28th in theaters from Disney. Yeah, it sounds interesting. interesting. I, know, I know it's something from childhood, so that should be fun to check out. It's going to be hard to replace, you know, Eddie Murphy being, you know, that was one of the Eddie Murphy roles in my childhood next to like Shrek and all. Yeah, I mean, uh, on the like the more negative side here, it does. It, I, I feel like I, I'm not the only person to say this, but everyone that does say it just keeps getting proven right that it just feels like Disney puts a fucking cycling. Just everything. they just they just put their properties in a hat and pick out what they're gonna remake or make a sequel to. And this time it was the Haunted Mansion. Yeah, I completely uh, forgot this was a thing, and I saw this news while I was scrolling through the other day. I was like, oh. It's getting, it's getting old, man, and I wish that they had more creativity, but, like, sure, I mean, a, n- a new generation of kids will get their version of the Haunted Mansion, and hopefully it's good. I, I don't really have much to say. I'm not the intended audience here. I probably, you know, they maybe I'll watch it, maybe I won't, but, like, I'm not the intended audience. They're trying to reach kids, so yeah, I guess sure. we'll see. Uh, Ray, Ray Liotta was honored posthumously today with a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Uh, if you don't know Liotta, he was known for his roles in Goodfellas, uh, Trillist Joe Jackson, Field of Dreams. He played the villain in Wild Hogs. Uh, he played uh, Taron Egerton's father in the Blackbird Apple TV series. And most notably, his last role uh, actually released today in Cocaine Bear, uh, one of the biggest movies Oh, Ray, early 2023. Ray Liotta not having a Hollywood Walk of Fame star or whatever until just now is is actually pretty insane. I I would have thought he would have had one for years. Yeah, he's in one of the probably one of the most beloved movies of all time with Goodfellas. Yeah, I mean, know, it's he, the top he's the star five movie ever. Yeah, agreed. It's weird, but you know, nice to see. Yeah, I mean, good for him. He definitely deserves it. I wish. I just wish he got it while he was. Right, I wish he around. deserved it while he was here. He deserved to see that. I, I don't know why that fuck. That, that is very confusing to me, but whatever. I mean, good that he has it now. Yeah, nice to see. Uh, Zach Galifianakis was casted in another Disney property, the live-action Lilo and Stitch. He's going to be playing Pleakley. He was uh, the tall, tall, skinny, one-eyed alien. 
uh, literally, I could just repeat the same yeah. thing I same said thing a minute ago. Imagine. But like, come on, <laughs> come hey, on. Yeah, so another beloved Disney property that surely will not be ruined. Yeah, they're just gonna do what they did with the Lion King and make a one for one remake, and it'll be like, what was the fucking point? Yeah. Agreed. Uh, oh, we yeah, got, I to say about this. Yeah, we got uh, Super Mario Brothers. They released the official runtime. It's going to be an hour and 32 minutes. Beautiful. I mean, that's perfect for a little animated video game. Tech, you know, it's still technically a children's film, I guess. Yeah. Uh, uh, an hour and a half, bing, bang, perfect. get in and out. That is that is perfect. I had this on my top five most anticipated movies this year. Okay. Uh, I, I'm gonna, I'm definitely excited to watch it. Uh, I know that everyone's like going crazy about the Chris Pratt thing and like, Maybe that'll be a little distracting, but everything else with the movie looks great. The animation looks awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack Black as Bowser sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. And I grew up like being a big fan of playing, you know, Super Mario and playing all the Super Mario Galaxy and Sunshine and Mario mm-hmm. Party and Mario Kart. I feel like there was a fuck ton of Mario content mm-hmm. growing up. So like, yeah, I'll definitely be checking that out. It looks like it's very a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And every trailer I see, I just get more and more excited for it. Yeah. That'll be coming uh, later this spring. A Hellboy reboot is in the works. Uh, they did reboot it back in 2019 with David Harbour. They did not say if David Harbour will be returning to the role. Uh, but yeah, Hellboy. Uh, I uh, I never saw the original Hellboys. It's not something I ever was got into. They were so. pretty fun. Uh, the It was Guillermo del Toro directed at least the second one. I want to say he did both. They're they're pretty cool movies. Uh, it's another comic character that's yeah. outside of DC and Marvel. Being a comic geek, that's something I will definitely have to check out. Maybe I'll I'll watch the originals first. Uh, I know that they're like kind of like cult classics. People love yeah. them. Like they're funny. Um, yeah, that'll be something I look into. Uh, but I hope. Listen, as with all remakes, hopefully that this honors the originals and people like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They weren't like those great movies again, but you know they're fun. They're funny. Yeah, decent action. Good, good flicks, as we like yeah, to say. Exactly. Uh, some more David Harbor news. He did come out and say that the next season of Stranger Things is the right time to end the show. In his opinion, he believes it is time for he- them as actors to leave that nest and try other things in different projects. I feel like it could have ended a season ago, but we all agree with hey, that. if this is the time to do it now, then great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. We've talked about Stranger Things before. I like the show. I think it's perfectly mm. fine entertainment. I don't hold it in like some high regard about t- uh, as far as like TV shows like Breaking mm. Bad, The Wire, all those shows. Uh, hopefully it ends good. I have my problems with the show, but like the, here again, I'm here to just have it's like a popcorn movie in a show form. Yeah, yeah, and he's he said he's filming Stranger Things season five and Thunderbolts at the same time, which is probably pretty challenging. God bless him. Ta- yeah, that's two taking very a lot different. of taking a lot of private planes to and from. These different sets. I mean, in one in one of the in one of the things he's recording, or what's the word I'm looking for? One of the things he's filming, he is a uh, like a staunch anti-communist, uh, and then in the other one, he's a Russian. Yeah. So yeah. I'm sure that's very hard. Yeah. Good thing he's not a method actor. That'd be, <laughs> yeah. That'd be a tough one to tough one to balance. Yeah. Uh, I know you haven't seen it yet, but uh, Dark, uh, the Dark and the 1899 creators. Baron Bo Odar and John J. Freese will adapt Something is Killing the Children for Netflix. Uh, apparently the series follows a small town plagued by monsters that eat children where a mysterious young woman has powers to combat the creatures. Uh, Dark is personally one of my top five favorite shows of all time. 
Um, I haven't gone into 1899 yet, especially since they canceled it after the first season, as Netflix yeah. seems to do. Uh, but when they give that little synopsis, it sounds interesting. Uh, and with those creators, I'm hyped for it personally. I mean, that's like, like you said, I haven't seen those other projects they've made, but like, this is an adaptation I can respect because it's something that hasn't been done mm-hmm. and it sounds interesting. So I'll, I'll check it out for sure. I mean, I, I respect originality. I know it's based off something, but at least it's not like, Oh, well let's remake so-and-so yeah. project for the 50th time. I'm cool with this. I'll definitely at least tune in, like see some trailers, read mm-hmm. some more about it. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't say whether it's going to be in German, like Dark, or I think 1899 was all kinds of different languages put together from people from all yeah. over. Uh, but yeah, once that drops, I will be all in on that. HBO Max has ordered an It prequel series uh, titled Welcome to Derry. Uh, Andy Muschietti will direct multiple episodes, including the pilot. I still haven't seen It 2 from the most recent iteration. Very mid. I did enjoy the first one. Quite first bit. one is great. The second one is just kind of mid and it's fine. It doesn't have the same charm. Uh, but my question is like, what is an it prequel series? Like is the, is Pennywise uh, the entity? Like, that is that is my guess? Is that the main, like, I don't know what the, I forget the name of the actual entity that is Pennywise, but is that going to be the main character or is this basically just going to be it retold through the eyes of kids in like, the what earlier like every 30 every 27 years or something like yeah. that right so maybe so it's we, like 27 years before so it's basically just those it kids in a different or, time period that was my guess uh or maybe it's the very beginning of the founding of Derry when it was around I, yeah I, i'm not really sure but who knows i'll check it out maybe i mean it's yeah, a I mean, streaming show easily readily available to watch Right. I'm interested to see, like, I, I definitely do want to hear, hopefully it comes out at some point, exactly what angle of prequel they're going at here. Mm-hmm. Like, like I said, whether it's going to be just the same story, basically, but in a different time period told through the eyes of kids in that time period, or if like a prequel is in like, we are going to get the origin of this creature and like the, we follow the creature. That'll be interesting to see either way. Mm-hmm. I'll probably at least check it out. Oh yeah. So yeah, I'll definitely check it out. Uh, some more HBO news. It was announced yesterday that Succession will be ending with season four. Yeah, man. It's tough uh, considering it's one of the best shows on television, but at the same time, you don't want it to run forever yeah. and lose some of that charm. As of right now, it has three perfect seasons, and the title of the show is Succession. So, you know. Someone's got to do it. Eventually, someone will have to succeed. Logan Roy as the uh, you know, CEO, president of the board, etc. It's one of those things. I saw a comment that basically said, you know, you'd rather something end a season early than a season late. And I, mm-hmm. I agree with that. Like, totally I'd rather the show ride off into the sunset on top than like be in season seven. You're like, oh my God, how are they still going with this? So, mm-hmm. like, does it suck? Absolutely. I love that show. It's one, probably my favorite current running TV show. I think it's definitely the best. And uh, I want to watch it forever, but at the same time, I want to be able to look back on like four seasons of just great TV and be like, "Fuck, like yeah. that really was." Like, like I said to you yesterday, if if this sticks the landing and it's and the fourth season is on par with the first three, it's a top four HBO show at least. Because I mean, you mm-hmm. gotta think, you gotta think, you have uh, Thrones, Sopranos, and The Wire. Mm-hmm. After that, man, I would argue Succession. I agree. I, there, I haven't a lot of seen great shows, but I haven't seen the wire in its totality yet, but 
as of right now, Succession would be my number three HBO show. Well, yeah, I also haven't finished The Wire. I just didn't want people to be like, how do you have Succession over The yeah, Wire? I'm just kind true. of playing into its uh, into its reputation. But like for HBO shows I've seen, yeah, it's definitely third. Yeah, I agree. And overall, probably top five of all time if you just throw in Breaking Bad. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a fantastic show. It's going to be exciting to see how it ends. Yeah. Who is going to succeed Logan Roy? I guess we'll see. We'll find yeah. out uh, starting March. Also, March 26th. You said something about method acting. I thought it was funny. The other day, a quote came out from Brian, Brian Cox <laughs> saying uh, saying how uh, like annoying. He said he respects Jeremy Strong and he's a fantastic actor, but how annoying it is to deal with his like method acting yeah. shit. And someone funny. someone commented on the tweet and said, like, he must be method acting, too, with them running this uh, this relationship. Like, yeah, yeah. that's kind of funny. That, so, that was a funny one. I agree. Yeah great show and i'm saving the best for last personally for myself uh yesterday warner brothers announced that there will be new lord of the rings films coming they are in the works again they didn't give us any kind of plan we know there's an animated film coming next year for war of the rohirrim so a little prequel story of the rohan kingdom right uh but yeah there's so many things that i think they can do here uh yeah, I mean, so, I'm not familiar with all of it, but I know there's a fuck ton of lore in the yeah. rings. Yeah, so if you're just basing it off the... Uh, so they have the rights to everything mentioned in The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings itself, the films. So they could do, like, a young Aragorn movie route. Uh, they could do what's called the Angmar Wars, so the, the Witch King, uh, the Nazgul. It's his uh, kind of history, his backstory, which would be sick. Do a trilogy on those wars. There's just so much they can do. Uh, so, yeah, I'm all in for it. Uh, they did announce there's going to be more video games coming with it. That's in that series. So, yeah, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm so all, excited. I'm, I'm all in for it, too. I, it kind of took me a minute to remember how expansive the world is because I believe when we were talking about it over text, I was like, does this mean they're remaking the movies or a sequel? I didn't even think about the fact that they're just going to expand the world. And that's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, obviously you have open world, like, uh, universes like Star Wars and uh, yeah. and Marvel. So, like, you like to see, like, Lord of the Rings kind of throw their hat in the ring and, like, kind of get into expanding their world because, like I said, I might not be familiar with all of it, but I know that the Lord of the Rings world is so expansive. The lore is so deep and there's so much. So, like, the possibilities are kind of endless, and I know you would know more than me about the kind of stories they could do, but obviously there's a thousand of them. So, yeah, you know, I'm excited shit. to see what they'll do because obviously Lord of the Rings is one of the best, if not the best, trilogies ever. They really mm-hmm. haven't missed on anything. You know, me and you liked uh, Rings of Power a lot. You had it in your top 10. I had it just outside of my top 10 of mm-hmm. last year in TV. And either way, it's a great TV show. So, I mean, you could argue the Hobbit movies were kind of, I haven't actually seen them, but I know a lot of people yeah. argue that they aren't very great. So, but but I would assume they would see all the criticism they took there as far as CGI and all that kind of stuff and just kind of take it up a level. So I will definitely tune into whatever they put out because this universe is very interesting. Yeah, they, uh, they did announce it. Uh, Peter Jackson, his writing team from the original trilogy, they are in talks with Warner Brothers regarding where they could fit in here. Uh, I really do hope they go back to the practical effects and sets that they did in the original trilogy. That was yeah, their that biggest problem. The biggest problem with The Hobbit was that it was very... O- excuse me over cgi'd um so yeah that's just just want to throw that in there at the end of our news section just because of my fandom uh with them being my three i count them as one big movie as my number one movie of all time uh yeah 
So, yeah, that's where I am, Lord of the Rings. And now we can get into what we're currently watching, starting off with The Last of Us, Episode 6. Uh, yeah. What, um, what so my initial thoughts? My first thoughts are that I saw a lot of the criti- – not criticism, because everything's relatively speaking. I don't want people to take this the wrong way. Most people have been saying it was the, probably the weakest episode and all that kind of stuff. And I'd have to really like think about which episode was the weakest. But regardless of that, because everything's relative, and when you're talking about a show that has 10, 10, 10, 10, something could be a 9.9 and be the, low, the, the exactly. worst. But like – Honestly, dude, this episode, it's finally giving me what I'm ready to see, and that's the relationship between Joel and Ellie really, really starting to be hammered into, like, the father-daughter relationship, and we're we're seeing that in this episode way more than we've seen it in other episodes, um, where you have Joel having basically panic attacks throughout the episode Mm -hmm. anytime him and Ellie are put in stressful situations where Ellie could be in danger, like, in the beginning when they find out about the river of death, and then when they, uh, the dog is sniffing them and he thinks that Ellie is going to get torn apart. And he later, you know, tells Tommy he's scared to fail because he always fails and he doesn't want her to get hurt. And like, this is just, this episode was so perfect from that standpoint. And the, the iconic Ellie speech from the game, uh, they, they, I mean, they went one for one, but they nailed it perfectly, man. I can't stress enough. Every week I walk away being like, Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal are so fucking good. And honestly, I don't know what's going to come out this year. I don't know who's going to be great. But right now, they are looking like runaway favorites to win lead actress and lead actor mm-hmm. at the Emmys because they are just killing it. Um, I'll let you get in a second. I just want to run over some more. I mean, the reintroduction of Tommy's awesome. Uh, I know you played the game. You don't really get mm-hmm. to see much of Jackson mm-hmm. in the first game. Jackson, this isn't a spoiler or anything. You get to spend way more time in Jackson in the second game and like actually see the town and all that. So that's awesome. Um, you got Maria in this episode, who is mm-hmm. a cool character in the game. Um, trying to think of anything else I can think of the ending, obviously, you know, they, like you said, they had skipped a little bit of the action, which makes sense for a TV show. You don't want to get too video gamey, but, uh, it ends on a cliffhanger with uh, Joel getting stabbed and seemingly dying. So that is a crazy, crazy way to end the episode. I, I was, I literally was watching it and I was like, wow, that's really how they're ending it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I did love it as well. I mean, relative to, the rest of the season it is a step lower than uh i would say episode episode five and episode three are the two yeah i think head and shoulders above the rest but i think if i had to i think if i had to say i think the my least again it's all relative like Mm -hmm. you're about to say the worst episode i think i would go to episode four and and then this okay so i had this so i went episode five Henry and Sam, episode three with Bill and Frank. Yes. Then I probably go episode two, where we lost um, Tess. Tess. Then I then I think we would go with six here, then six, then one, then four at the bottom. I think. Yeah, I have one a little bit higher than you. I pretty much have the same ranking, except I would put one over two. I yeah. I really liked the first episode. Okay. I thought it was a great pilot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, so. either way, like you just said, it's all relative. It's 10, 10, 9.9, 9.8. Like, it's it's a perfect show so far. Yeah. And compared to everything else that we get on TV nowadays, it's just so much. It's head and shoulders above everything else that we watch. Um, Absolutely. It took a little a little bit from the game. It, 
uh, deviated a little bit. So instead, uh, in the game, we go to that dam that we saw. That's where Tommy and, you know, a group of those whatever, uh, survivors uh, yeah. they stay at the dam. But then there's a big fight there. Uh, hunters or raiders or whatever you want to call them. They push you out. Then you go on a big adventure there. So we do miss some of that action. But it, the action that we see in the game is very video gamey, like we say, and you don't want, you don't know how it's going to play out on television. So I think it is a good deviation from the game. Same yeah. with when they get to, what, was it, what is it, Eastern Colorado, Eastern Colorado State, State or whatever. Uh, there, again, it's more video game type level fighting. And, yeah. you know, at the end, instead of like, like in the show, we got four guys raiding the lab, and yeah. in the game, you know, you fight waves of 20, 30 dudes. I think this episode might have been the best in terms of the cinematography. I thought mm-hmm. this episode was shot so beautifully, and I want to take a second to just shout out like the people that are making these sets because they have been very perfect. practical. Yeah. Eastern Eastern State, Eastern Colorado State was absolutely perfect like just mm-hmm. like in the game and Jackson looks so beautiful and so similar to the game and I know you'll you won't get to see that until you play mm-hmm. the next game but when you do see it you're going to be like wow they really did nail this in the in the show mm-hmm. um those people the set the the people that lo- set find designers. the loca- yeah. set designers the people that find the locations like it's all so perfect. It looks so beautiful. And this episode, so many of the shots, like I, I followed this Facebook group slash Twitter page called a shot and they mm-hmm. just post like cinematography. And so many of the shots from this episode are just stunning, man. And it's, it's so cool. Those people deserve a huge shout out because it, it adds so much to the show. Yeah. So in the opening scene with the two, the native American couple, they shouted out wind river reservation. Uh, so automatically it makes me think of the, Wind River film directed by Taylor Sheridan yeah. with Jeremy Renner, uh, Elizabeth Olsen, John Bernthal. That's one of my favorite movies. It's in my top 50 movies of all time. Uh, but it has that same, that out west, that snowy feel. So it really reminded me of that, which I love. And it's so it's so easy to make it look cool. That snowy backdrop, the mountains. This all looks so fucking yeah, good, it, dude. Western shit, like, I know this isn't technically Western, but it's Western-esque. Western mm-hmm. shit, like, in the snow is just, it's awesome. It looks so cool. It hits, it hits different. I agree. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, man, a great episode. Uh, the next episode is obviously, a lot of people are about to find out whether or not Joel has actually died. Obviously, yeah, we know he, the answer to that. Is he we, cooked? Yeah, we know the oh, answer wow. to that. Obviously, we won't say anything, but that that is a big cliffhanger from the leave-off. Uh, so yeah, I'm sure a lot of people are itching for that next episode. And so am I, I I'm ready to, how many, I think we're getting what nine episodes. Nine so episodes, we got three left. I, I know that we're getting down to the nitty gritty here and the next episode is going to basically take, uh, take after the, the DLC from the game yeah. following, uh, following Ellie and her friend Riley in a, uh, prequel esque episode where they're going mm. through Fedra school and doing whatever they do. I will be the first to say I haven't played this DLC. So I'm, go- I'm going in like everybody else, which honestly it feels cool to like be able to, uh, you know, I've played the game, but I get an episode where I'm also watching for the first time. Mm. So I'm expecting another heartbreak because we all obviously already know it's not a spoiler. We all know something happened to Riley where she has died. Yeah. So I'm sure we're going to get to explore that in this episode. So I'm ready to cry again. You know, every episode pretty much is ready to make you fucking cry mm-hmm. even when you've seen even when you've seen uh the speech between ellie and joel you know that everybody has left me and 
yeah, it just wants to make you cry every week. Yeah, and I did see uh, that Ashley Johnson will be portraying Ellie's mom. Uh, Ashley did voice Ellie in the game. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't. I've only ever seen her in Blind Spot. I think in live, live TV, live action. Uh, Blind Spot, an NBC crime yeah. procedural type show. So it'll be cool to see that. You know, I've I've loved seeing these voice actors from the games make appearances in the show. This will be the third, I think. Third, I believe, after Marlene. Mar- Marlene, Marlene played Marlene. And Perry and was played by Tommy's voice Tommy's actor. Voice. Yeah, so that'll be fun. Uh, it's always fun to see that kind of shit. Uh, uh, just to real quick, to a couple more scenes before we get out of here. I thought the scene between, uh, the emotional scene between Joel and Tommy was done pretty well. Pedro mm-hmm. Pascal is just, great i loved to see him like you kind of that was kind of the first scene where we see him break down and be weak and like you know admit that he is scared and he cares for ellie and doesn't want her to get hurt and he knows he's gonna fail so i just wanted to shout out that scene real quick too because both actors man they both really killed it and even before that emotional scene they have kind of like a a precursor to that scene where joel asks tommy to go and tommy basically says you know like i'm gonna be a father and just because the world stopped for you doesn't mean it stopped for me they both crushed their interactions in this episode obviously uh, it's easy to just run away with Bella Ramsey being the star of this episode because her speech from the game was so good. But mm. definitely shout out to Pedro Pascal and uh, I can't remember the name of the actor uh, that plays Tommy. Gabriel uh, Luna. Gabriel Luna. Yes, exactly. I was going to say Diego Luna, but I'm pretty sure yeah. that is Cassie and Andor. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, shout out to those guys. That was Those were two great scenes. Yeah. And so we will get episode seven based on the Left Behind DLC this Sunday at 9 p.m. Streaming on HBO Max. Absolutely. Uh, so what else have we been currently watching? Uh, I know both both of us watched Knock at the Cabin this week. Yeah, we could uh, do like a quick little uh, well, synopsis of that and what we thought. Yeah, so uh, Knock at the Cabin is the latest M. Night Shyamalan film, uh, apocalyptic thriller drama type movie starring Dave Bautista, uh, Jonathan Groff, uh, Rupert Grint from the Harry Potter series. We got Kristen Cooey played... When the little the daughter, yeah. uh, Ben Aldridge as uh, Daddy Andrew, uh, the second uh, father of when. Yeah. Overall, uh, M Night Shyamalan needed this, bro. M Night is on. He was on a pretty like a streak of stinkers with that old. absolute abhorred abhorrence of a movie. Old, and then <laughs> before that was. Glass, glass wasn't great. Glass was glass was terrible. So M Night needed this. I ended up with an eight point two out of ten on this. I had a lot of fun. I love this kind of apocalyptic genre, similar to why I love you know The Last of Us, why I love uh, World War Z, etc. It's not it's not an infected type of apocalypse. Yeah, but it's more of the plagues and the disasters, kind of like twenty twelve, I guess. What were your thoughts? Um, so I come in a little lower than you, but I don't want you to take this like I didn't like it because I really did enjoy it. I gave it I'm, – I'm in between like a 6.9 and a 7. Um, mm-hmm. I, I liked it. I thought they did a pretty good job of building some suspense. I thought the first – obviously, spoiler alert from here on out. Uh, yes, I thought the first the first kill of uh, Redman, I think his name was. Uh, yeah, Rupert, Rupert his character. Yeah, his character, and that was like a pretty solid death. Uh, Dave Batista. Uh, he amasses a lot of these points for me because he killed it, man. And it's so, so good, it's it's man. awesome to see like you have John Cena who's killing it in comedy 
and The Rock is kind of just like a sellout at this point. But like Dave yeah. Batista is really like obviously he does Guardian, so he does dabble in comedy. But mm. like taking a role like this is so like it's such a reach for like just being different, not doing what's typical. And he killed it, man. I thought he was mm. easily the star of the movie. 100%. His character brought a lot of interesting elements because he's such a nice, respectful guy who coaches a girl's basketball team, I think it was. And he's, he's like, like, the, second, like the boys and girls club yeah, of Chicago. He's like or a second grade teacher, and he's so nice and respectful, and he's making these people comfortable. But like at the end of the day, he's there to do something horrible. Obviously, not when you know the stake of the world is at hand. Um, I think my biggest issue with the movie and the only issue I really have and what kind of holds me back from uh, rating it a little bit higher is I feel like there is a little bit of unnecessary hand holding and explaining I, I the movie. At the um, end, yeah. The, the twist was obvious, kind of pretty obvious that like they were going to be the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. It, it's a, it's, it is a solid twist. Don't get me wrong. I feel like it was a little obvious. And then I feel like M Knight was kind of trying to break something that he tends to do too often, which is leave an ending ambiguous mm-hmm. by kind of showing us the world healing at the end. And I think that's the biggest mistake of the movie. I think this movie would have very much benefited from an ambiguous ending. Okay. So I, did, I, I disagree there. I kind of like how they made it. Um, he, well, where they showed it to you, yeah. Uh, because uh, I was reading a synopsis of the book, and in the it's based off a book called The Cabin at the End of the World, right? And in that one, uh, spoiler, Wen died instead of with Daddy Eric Jonathan Groff's character. Um, so it was a little different there. And then the book they did leave it ambiguous, and I think people disliked it for that reason. So I I kind of like M Night differing from the book there. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, I I, I like. This is the beauty of art. We we're gonna have differing opinions yeah, on Ant Man exactly. later. Uh, for me, I just I think I would have preferred the ambiguous ending just because I, I I don't know honestly I'm not a fan of ambiguous endings and everything. I just feel like it could have benefited here to mm-hmm. have have it end with you know maybe them leaving while the house is burning and you're kind of at the end you're like oh my fucking god like did it work did what was yeah, it off because there was def- there was definitely a point in the movie where I was questioning if it was legit like if the apocalypse no, was for really. Sure. So I feel like ending with it ambiguous would have, for me, would have made me like think about it a little bit more. Whereas I know what happened. I walked out and I'm like, yeah, that was fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was- my, my biggest fear was that they were going to do like a real twist and have it all be fake. And that like the all the news broadcasts were like closed circuit TV that they filmed yeah. beforehand. If they did that, that would have tanked my grade, I think. But I like yeah. that it was all legit and there like we weren't. Because I think looking for that twist that we've come to know for Shyamalan, it builds this tension that and suspense. Uh, you know, you're expecting that twist, and then when you don't get it, it yeah. still builds all that tension to make you feel into the movie. Yeah, least. and honestly, it kind of sucks that Shyamalan has shoehorned himself into that because it's kind of easy to like lose yourself in one of his movies because you're just expecting a twist at some point. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But- like you said, I think he desperately needed this. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what he's doing next, but like at yeah, least bro. he's getting, he's starting to, you know, build this. This is a good momentum builder. Uh, yeah. You know, like you said, old was, I never even saw it, but I've you seen enough to. clips and breakdowns of it to know that it was shitty. And like that was, you needed a kind of a reset there. And I think this is mm-hmm. a good reset. It was a fun, I, I guess not fun, but it was at least interesting. Did a good job building suspense, good acting. 
and you know it had a solid ending you know whether you i i didn't like i said i wanted ambiguous but i still enjoyed it i thought it was a fine ending it didn't like mm. oh my god now the movie is you know five no it's it was perfectly fine it was good and i'm glad to see him getting back on the right track and hopefully he builds this up but i know like you said usually he follows a good movie with a fuck ton of stinkers so yeah i guess i won't get my hopes up yeah i know he has a couple deals with i think netflix or warner brothers or someone i think we touched on that a couple weeks ago but i forget the specifics I know he has a pretty successful show on Apple TV that I haven't gotten into yet. Right. But but as a as a Philly guy, I think I think we probably root for him a little more than others. Absolutely. Uh, other than that, over the past week, I've been getting into some streaming 2023 movies. Uh, all very solid. Uh, Unlocked on Netflix. It's a Korean uh, thriller. We got uh, True Spirit on Netflix. It's a true story based on Jessica Watson was the youngest person to ever circumnavigate the globe as a sailor which is kind of cool starring tegan croft who played raven in the dc titans hbo series uh we got sharper on apple tv another fun thriller starring sebastian stan uh what's her name julianne moore uh we got john john lithgow so that was another fun thriller and then i capped that off with infinity pool a horror thriller from Cronenberg, uh, uh, starring our our new queen of horror, Mia Goth. Yeah, I want to uh, get to that. I've fallen in love with her over the last year with her horror films. She's amazing. She is yeah, like I mean, the horror actress. In the last calendar year, she's done X, Pearl, and now that. So I mean, mm-hmm. she's definitely killing it for sure. Yeah, and a really cool concept. Uh, other than that, I started Better Call Saul the other day. I'm Fine, episode, I'm excited for you. I'm excited. I'm like for you. episode four or five, so I'm excited to get into that more. It's a great show. Uh, I'll get into another one later when we do our six pack, and then uh, I watched Fantastic Mr. Fox. That is one of my favorite movies of all time now. Unexpected. Yeah, I feel like I slept on that. Uh, Wes Anderson banger, a little animated, based on a story by you know the Roald Dahl who did Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, witches, right. etc. Yeah, that's what that's what I was up to over the last week. How about you? Uh, so since we last talked, I watched. I've been digging into some classics. I've been I've been getting in the movies I should have seen. So first, I'll mention Apocalypse Now, which easily, very very easily, has now taken my number one spot for best war movie ever, dethroning uh, Saving Private Ryan. Uh, Apocalypse Now is awesome. Martin Sheen kills it. Uh, it's such a dark, gritty, fucked up movie. Uh, believe it's robert duvall is in this movie right let me see yeah, yeah robert duvall as a uh, uh colonel kilgore and then uh you have you have a 15 to 20 minute performance by marlon brando which includes some of the best monologues you'll ever hear like he just he's not in a lot of the movie but fucking he kills it man it's it's amazing that movie is awesome if you like war movies i uh, would check that out uh, I followed that up with another war movie, The Deer Hunter. So two Vietnam War movies back to back. This one is different. This one is is darker in the sense it deals with PTSD and uh, a lot of stuff like that. It's got some of the most iconic scenes ever. Whether you even know the movie, or you don't. Uh, Russian, the Russian roulette scene in Vietnam with uh, Chris, uh, Christopher Walken and uh, Robert De Niro when they're captured by the Viet Cong. Play, and they're forced to play Russian roulette. That is an amazing scene. Uh, there are some. Th- the ending scene in this movie is extremely dark. Uh, it is a little long, but I mean, I still rated it extremely highly. I think a nine out of ten. So 
I would definitely watch that. Um, so this is a movie I've seen before, but it was mostly in my youth. So I wanted to give it a rewatch as an adult, and that's Jurassic Park. Uh, Jurassic Park, it was what classic. I expected. It was awesome. It's a classic. Um, we talked yesterday about just paying the respects deserved to John Williams. He's done like mm-hmm. all of the greatest scores, most iconic scores yeah. ever. Uh, his Jurassic Park theme song is one of the most iconic pieces of music of all time. Uh, everyone in this movie kills it. It does a good job of instilling fear. Uh, the T-Rex scenes are all scary. The Velociraptor in the kitchen scene is one of the scariest scenes like from my childhood that I remember. So that's an awesome movie. And then to wrap it up, I got three more that I'll bang out quickly. Reservoir Dogs I watched. Classic. Uh, loved it. Chaotic, short, uh, hour and a half movie that just is uh, great acting by everyone. Uh, Buscemi was a uh, standout. Was best, for sure. He was a standout. Just an awesome movie. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I've been meaning to watch that forever. Uh, I will definitely be watching the rest of the Indiana Jones series. But yeah, Raiders of the Lost Ark was a 10 out of 10. And then last night uh, with my girlfriend, we watched The Truman Show for the first time. And that got, I believe, a 9.7. So it's up there. It was awesome. Jim Carrey, I've I've slept on his career outside of comedy for most of my life. Mm-hmm. So I planned on watching this and uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which I will get to. But The Truman mm-hmm. Show was awesome. It, it's such a unique and cool idea and uh, cool, like, dystopian kind of movie. Yeah, that's the, that Jim Carrey run in the late 90s to early 2000s, I think. It's one of the best runs of all time. There's that, there's, like, Ace Ventura... Uh, you know, the Grinch. Yeah. I mean, he was liar, amazing. Liar, in this, he was like, amazing in this movie. All those movies are so good. His uh, scenes of, you know, trying to confuse everybody and be frantic were yeah. amazing acting. It, it mixes comedy in there as well, pretty well. Mm-hmm. And uh, definitely like emotional scenes at the end, you know, like you never had a camera in my mind and all that kind of stuff. It, very, very, very good. Not that I didn't expect it to be good, but it, I think it exceeded my expectations. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely above a nine on that one as well. Yeah, those are all all a bunch of bangers you mentioned there. Yeah, man, I've been trying to dig into the classics that I want to have wanted to watch. Yeah, yeah, I'm in the same boat trying to get into more of those and what I've missed and whatnot. I've been recently going to like best picture winners from the last few years. Uh, yeah, I did miss when I was going over mine. I did watch Platoon. That okay. was the 1986 movie, so 1987 best picture winner with uh, Charlie Sheen, Willem Dafoe. Uh, and then I did, what did I just watched Crash. Crash was 2000, 2004 movie, 2005 winner. That was what? That was Brendan Fraser, Michael Pena, uh, Sandra Bullock. It was, that cast was loaded. Ludacris. Yeah. Uh, not Kevin Dillon. Who's his brother? Matt Dillon. Matt Dillon. Both great movies. Uh, Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, I've been trying to roll through more best pictures, and you know that's where I'll, I'll probably keep doing. Right on. Uh, moving on, and now we can move into what everyone has been waiting for, the third. I want to say this is. I think this is a thirtieth Marvel MCU movie, thirtieth or thirty-first. Um, crazy. So we got Ant Man, The Wasp, Quantumania. A quick synopsis. Ant-Man and the Wasp find themselves exploring the quantum realm, interacting with strange new creatures, and embarking on an adventure that pushes them beyond the limits of what they thought was possible. Uh, directed by Peyton Reed again. Uh, he did all three Ant-Man films, starring Paul Rudd as Scott Lang, Evangeline Lilly as the Wasp, uh, Michael Douglas, and Michelle Pfeiffer, with 
Jonathan Majors as Kang, guest appearances by Bill Murray, William Jackson Harper. Uh, yeah. And Catherine Newton is the new uh, Cassie Lang. Yeah. Replacing the third Cassie Lang in MCU now. Right uh, on. So we do we, differ a little bit. Um, yeah, which is crazy because I still come in more positive than like the general consensus is. Oh, yeah. Let's get into that. It did. Uh, have it it has a 47 percent critic score on rotten tomatoes compared to the 84 percent audience score uh it did have a 225 million dollar worldwide opening weekend uh so yeah give me your your initial thoughts and we'll get into some spoilers some theories maybe uh where we go from here in the the mcu my initial thoughts were that i liked it more than most but I still, in my opinion, was a little disappointed. Um, I, I, I'll run through some things right off the top here. Evangeline Lilly, I thought she was absolutely wasted. I, I, feel like, I feel like they just had nothing, nothing to do with that character in this movie. She mm-hmm. might as well have not even been there. Uh, it just, I don't know. I'm surprised. I guess I won't get into spoilers yet. But, like, yeah, I, that character was wasted. Uh, Catherine Newton. I think that her acting was fine, but like yeah. the script put her in some tight spots. This isn't a spoiler, but I know the biggest scene that's going viral for shitting on the movie is the uh, you're just a dick scene with her and Modoc. Mm-hmm. I thought that was like, don't get me wrong. This movie did a good job of hitting on most of the humor, but I thought that was so kind of played out. That was in my cons as well. I agree there. Um, I know another con you had because I did read your review was uh, Bill Murray's character I thought was a distraction. I thought it took time away from fleshing out Kang and the world even more. Um, And then my my last, without getting into too many spoilers, uh, con would be I don't think they did a good job of building this world in terms of like the resistance. I didn't care. Like they didn't do enough to make me care about any of those characters. Like William Jackson Harper is an amazing actor. Didn't give a fuck about his character mm-hmm. at all or the warlord character whose name I can't remember. But that warlord character was basically just Valkyrie from Thor. Like basically the same thing. There were some jokes that worked with them, like the holes thing. And you know, where uh, William Jackson Harper's character says he has seven holes and Scott stops for a minute to like think about it. He's like, yeah, how'd you know that? Whatever. Those that worked, but I think the whole thing just got old by the time that it was the end of the movie was coming. And they were still making that same joke. Uh, that those would be my main cons without um, spoiling, and then my pros would just be Jonathan Majors uh, is so capable of carrying the MCU through these next couple phases because he is a fantastic actor. He did great with what he was given. Uh, uh, Paul Rudd as Scott Lang is always he's always giving good performances. And I thought, and this will go, this isn't a spoiler necessarily, but I thought Michelle Pfeiffer as Janet, I thought the best scenes in the movie were moments with her and Kang. Mm. And the movie didn't have enough of them, in my opinion. I think it really had a misstep there, and it didn't have enough moments between the two of them. And, uh, yeah, I think that they were two positives, but obviously it becomes a negative a little bit too. But uh, before we get into spoilers, I'll let you get your general thoughts off. Uh, I think the MCU needed this movie. Uh, in my opinion, it is, <clears throat> it's my favorite Marvel movie since Endgame. Uh, I fell on a 9.2 out of 10 with my score. Maybe oh, I fell on a 7, by the way. I didn't say that. That would be, I'm just pulling up real quick, my Marvel rankings. I think it's my number, it's my number 6, my number 7 Marvel movie in the MCU. 
Damn. Uh, just behind Guardians of the Galaxy, right above No Way Home. <clears throat> uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, I felt like the comedy for the first time in a long time wasn't forced. And that is kind of a testament to Paul Rudd as, you know, the, he is one of the greatest comedic actors of the 21st century. Um, I think he's just too likable for me not to like the film in general. Uh, Jonathan Majors, again, as Kang, uh, is incredible. Yeah. Um, I thought the way they built him was he's he was imposing as fuck. I mean, you see him being into little spoilers a bit now, uh, with Jonathan majors, uh, the way he, when he first got a suit back after Janet, um, helped him repair his ship, create that core or whatever, the way he like destroyed the communities in the quantum realm was insane. He looks ripped. Uh, when he has Cassie and Scott in the jail cell and he's kind of like Darth Vader force pushing them against the wall. And yeah, shit. fucking with MODOK. Yeah, just absolutely destroying MODOK quite easily. It's insane. Let's just um, talk about MODOK real quick. Uh, he's obviously been the source of a lot of criticism from people I, that I aren't really it. into the MCU. But MODOK, surprisingly, was not like on my cons list, except for mm. that one scene. I thought it was yeah, a just little, the dick scene, right? I thought that was a little cringe. Yeah. But besides that, there's no MODOK is not a character meant to be taken seriously, to be that's, honest. That's my exact sentiment. And I think they actually did a good job because he was at least uh, imposing and threatening for like one scene where he's introduced. And besides that, yeah. yeah, And besides that, he's kind of played for a joke. But like, I I don't mind it. I thought it was what I expected them to do with Modok. I didn't expect Mm -hmm. them to make Modok this crazy character. Although the only thing I will critique is I would have preferred not knowing Corey Stoll was returning. I would have thought that would be a cooler reveal. Yeah, than to be revealed uh, to us in the trailers and it be announced. I think it would have been a way cooler, like oh shit moment if he was Mm -hmm. if he came back in the movie. No, I fully agree. Uh, But yeah, I yeah I like Modok. It's they're talking about the way his face looked like. Yeah, it's a little bit it's, of an uncanny it's a valley. Big floating face. He's meant to yeah. look goofy. Yeah, he's supposed to look goofy, but and they kind. Of, I think they kind of remedied that with that mask they gave him. Like the yeah, mask looks like cool. the normal Modoc face, I think. Yeah. Which is, and they wanted to show the actor's face. I mean, I, I can't fault them with that. Overall, I thought the CGI was good. Um, you know, it's not. It wasn't as wonky as what we got in Love and Thunder. Love and Thunder got a little weird. And this is yeah. after they announced that a lot of the VFX um, funds for this movie got rerouted to Wakanda Forever for Which some reason. Which is interesting. Because I, I, I mean, I guess they had the whole... Obviously, that um, movie's a ton of CGI as well, but this movie's yeah. all CGI. Yeah, the whole thing. The color grading was a little weird, I think. Um, but overall, that didn't take away from the film for me. Uh, let's see, what else do I got? I... I did like William Jackson Harper's character. It was him and was little the little blob Veb, I think. Yeah. Uh, voiced by David Desmalchin, who did have a role as a live action character in the first two. He was one of the. He's part of the crew with Ti and Michael Pena's character, who I did I did miss in this as well. Yeah, so did I. Um. Let's see. Yeah, I. I know you had problems with. Kang, the way he got taken down. Yeah, I'll uh, go on a rant about that after your thoughts. Pers- personally, I didn't. I thought, you know, when when I still think of Ant Man, I still think of the comedy side, so I don't take it as serious as I would as others. Um, and the way they built up those ants, when you see them go through the quantum realm with them in the beginning, I think 
I felt like that I'd see them later on than Michael Douglas's like uh, explanation for them. Like now the way they got stuck in a time vortex and now they're 5,000 years into like this technological society. I thought it was kind of cool and funny. Uh, the size of like horses slash bears. They're giant. And there's thousands of them. So that's I just kind of why I didn't uh, have the same thoughts as you did there. I just thought, I just thought it felt cheap to introduce these ants at the beginning. And obviously I felt like they were going to come back at some point. But I feel like bringing them in like they're the Knights of the Vale and they've been, you know, severely uh, powered up off screen. It, it felt a little weak to me, like just like, oh, now these ants are millions of years advanced and it all happened off screen, the whole movie. And here they are to take down Kang. Like I'll go I'll go off on a little rant about my thoughts on Kang and why I feel that way. So mm-hmm. I'll start off by saying, like. I get there's going to be a ton of different variants of Kang. I get that. I get that. I get that. I get that. But like, I think that all of this, all of my problems could have been remedied with one thing. If the other Kangs didn't talk about this Kang, like he was the most powerful of them. And he was the scariest. If they would have been like, if they would have been like, Oh man, this is even, even if they, even if uh, the Avengers or people on earth can fuck with the weakest of us, they can fuck with all of us. If they would have implied that this Kang was not as strong as the others. It fixes all my problems, but they don't, they make him out to be like, he is the, he's the conqueror. He's the destroyer. So to see him taken out the way he was, listen, those so Thanos, Thanos uh, was a foreboding presence in post-credit scenes and, and somewhat in guardians for a while. And he was very intimidating in the background of those movies. And in his film debut as the main villain in five minutes into the movie, he has off screen beaten Thor. He beats the dog shit out of the Hulk and he kills Loki. The audience Mm -hmm. has been instilled with fear in this movie. He kills no one of note besides for, you know, fucking nameless, nameless rebellion people. And he destroys them. Don't get me wrong. But like, it felt like there were no stakes with this. And that kind of leads me, I'm going to say another point I had. Why the fuck did Janet and Hank survive? And I know you love the the family dynamic. And I, yeah, I, complete, I, I completely get that. But what is their purpose beyond this movie? Hank had no purpose in this movie. He he kind of was the catalyst for the ants to come back. But besides that, he did nothing. He, he contributed nothing to this movie. And Janet, her purpose kind of ends here. Like, there's, I don't see yeah. what more there is for her to do. So in, in a dream, in a dream scenario, this would have been the ending of the movie for me. Kang and Ant-Man have their fight and you know, the wasp is there too, which again, she was just wasted in this movie, but they have their fight by the portal. Kang whoops the shit out of them, walks through the portal and, uh, Janet and Hank fight off Kang while Cassie escapes and he kills the two of them. I think that is perfect because then Kang doesn't lose to Ant-Man, which in my opinion makes him look a little weak. Uh, Janet and Hank's story is wrapped up and they go out in a self-sacrificial way. And you're not just they, they're not just going to be wasted in future movies unless they find something crazy for them to do. And like this Kang clearly would have been very powerful because he won. Mm-hmm. I think making him lose like doesn't instill the fear into me. And yes, you could talk about how in the post credits, you have the council of Kangs and they're obviously going to play a huge part. And maybe this Kang isn't dead and he's going down to a time vortex and he's going to come out even stronger. But like, I don't know. I know a lot of it was like, people were saying, Oh, he either has to kill Ant-Man or he looks weak. I don't think he had to kill Ant-Man. I think that if he would have just wiped the floor with him in uh, hope and then went through the portal and, you know, I think he should have killed Hank and Janet 
I think that would have made up for a lot of it. And then a couple other problems that I have written down, and I'll let you get into your rebuttals because I know you have them. Um, I have basically some things written down here. Uh, Cassie, one of the, this is a nitpick, but like in the opening, when they're falling through the quantum realm and Scott is running to save her and going out of his way to do all this shit to save her, yada, yada, yada. Then, like, 15 minutes later, she puts on the suit for the first time. Yeah, I agree with that. Why did she wait so long to put on the suit? Oh, you thought your dad was going to be mad at you? You're already in the goddamn quantum realm. So that was one nitpick. My second nitpick, and this one, it's listen, these are definitely nitpicky. When they grow into, you know, the quote-unquote giant man forms of themselves. um, Not even that. The hug hug is cringy. You know, the whole, like, citrus thing. When they get big, they crave citrus and food and everything. Do they realize, the people that made this movie, they're big in the quantum realm, but they're still microscopic. So they're actually not big. I guess it's relative, but I just thought that was kind of of weird. (laughs) Uh, So it's like, these are nitpicks, but, like, and I don't know. That's kind of where I land on it. Um, I don't hate it. I think it was fine. I could be talked into, like, turning a little bit around on it and I, I'm interested to see what they do with Kang. And I specifically mean this version of Kang mm-hmm. because yeah, yeah. they sold him as the guide. The other the other forms of Kang banished him to a universe without time because he was so dangerous. And he get listen, I know people will say again with the ants and they took him down. He's nothing without without his suit, but it makes him look so, so weak in my opinion. Yeah. And I'll let you I'll a- let you rebut. That's really just the thing with me with that end why Scott and Hope could beat him because he doesn't have a suit. He's cut off from time and space, which is kind of where his powers come from. So it just becomes like a regular dude. I had one more thing to say. Uh, The whole – real quick, this is the last point. The whole marketing and everything in the biggest line in the trailer was you don't – or he says uh, you really think you can beat me. I don't have to beat you. We both just have to lose. That yeah. was like the line. Well, guess what? That doesn't even happen. Scott wins. Scott just straight up wins. There was no we both have to lose. Scott didn't lose anything. His whole family survived and he mm. made it out. So he just won. And I, I had a big problem with that. I would have understood if they went the whole route of like we both just have to lose. And, you know, Scott gets trapped in the quantum realm or, you know, he has family members of his die. So he technically loses as well. But mm. no, he just wins. He just won. He beat Kang. Now, I have a I have a slight theory with that final fight between him and Kang. So when they're fighting, it's after Kang's whole army's destroyed. Right. So he, he he's kind of like his suit's destroyed. He's like at the lowest point. What if he took it easy on Scott a little bit? Because if he does get out of the quantum realm, that alerts the rest of the Council of Kangs that he's around. So then they'll haunt him throughout the multiverse, knowing that he's weak. Knowing that he's weak, and then that could be the end of him. Uh, so why not? So then he gets sucked into whatever whatever his little. I don't he know just, what to call he it. He better before. not be dead. He better I, I don't not think be he's dead. dead. I think he's just locked in that like that probability storm that we saw. By the way, yeah. that's that's a scene that I loved. That was a especially, good especially the little the Baskin Robbins. I I do think one. they cheaped I out. I think they cheaped out a little bit having only like one like interesting funny variant of Scott. I, yeah, like I would, I would every single more. other universe, he's Ant Man. Like come on, there has to be a couple. You could have yeah. some more. You could have added some more funny scenarios into there. Yeah. But I, I'm not gonna. That's a that is a very big nitpick. Yeah. But like maybe yeah, want to sit like a magician or something like that would be funny as shit. Yeah, like there could have been some more variants in there, in my opinion. Yeah, so that's just what I thought with Kang. I think maybe he took it easy, you know, didn't want to alert the other council until he could build his strength up again type of deal. Um, maybe when he got sucked into that core 
thing. Maybe got sucked into a different multiverse. Then he somehow infiltrates the Council of Kangs as another Kang. Yeah, I mean the two options. Maybe. Are either, the two options are either he's dead, which is horrible in my opinion, or he's gonna go in there and be stuck in a time lapse or whatever the fuck you want to call it, mm-hmm. and he's gonna have you know quote unquote thousands of years to power up and become like god level, which is which would be good mm-hmm. if if he's truly dead. I'd have an even bigger problem with this movie, yeah. but I have faith. I have faith that he is not. I just don't think they do that because I think there is only one version of the Conqueror variant. I think. Um, and this would have been yeah. a big waste of him. Yeah, hundred percent agreed. Um, even though, and Jonathan Majors, Jonathan Majors kills it. He does what he's supposed to do. And I even wrote this in my review. The only reason I'm at a seven with it is because for two thirds of the movie, I thought it was great. Obviously, I have my nitpicks. Like we both nitpicked uh, Bill Russell's character, Bill Russell, Bill Murray. <laughs> yeah. Imagine Bill Russell, Bill Murray's That's character. Like we have our nitpicks, but I think for two thirds of the movie, it's pretty good. It's very enjoyable. It's fun. I would have the first two thirds of this movie are like an eight and a half for me or close to a nine. And it's the third act where I have a problem. Jonathan Majors kills it. The first two acts, he's not required to do much. He's just a foreboding presence. He doesn't have to engage physically. He's just there doing shit and he's intimidating. But then when that third act comes and he's watching his armies be destroyed and sitting back and being like, go take care of them. No, I get it. You can say like, oh, well, he's, you know, they're so beneath him. He doesn't even want to go out there and handle it himself. I think that's part of it. The whole that, would thing hold, too. that would just hold more weight to me if he didn't lose in the end. But I just had I, my, my only problems with the movie come in the third act. I obviously, as we've been talking about, but like for the rest of the movie, I, I really liked it. And Jonathan Majors deserves all the credit. He mm-hmm. did what he was supposed to do. He did what the script gave him and he killed it. Yeah. I think that's another thing too, that maybe, maybe Kang got cocky, maybe got arrogant. Uh, maybe he fought Ant-Man the same way he fought previous Ant-Mans where he killed him, but this Ant-Man fought a little differently. Uh, yeah. That's another thing that I, you know, I saw while I was looking around online, watching breakdowns, Easter eggs, et cetera. That's kind of where I landed with it. But uh, overall, yeah, I love this movie. I just, I just don't know how I'm supposed to believe that this version of Kang has killed like Thor's or yeah. killed other like strong Avengers. Yeah, like I maybe mean, he used uh maybe he used his powers with time and space to kill them instead of you know hand to hand combat type thing. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like like maybe he does something that goes back in time, kind of like what Thanos did in Infinity War when he used the time stone. You know, he loses, he resets time, and snaps, wins, uh, something yeah. like that maybe. I, I feel um, like I feel like also like they kind of didn't do enough like with the theme of time in this movie, mm-hmm. like uh. I saw someone say this on Twitter. Like, it would have been like kind of cool, like if in like maybe the prison sequence with Cassie, like if instead of just like putting her in the air and threatening to like I don't even know like rip her apart or whatever, like if Kang like aged her up and like was aging her uh... up, and, like aged her up and down, being like I can give you time, I can take time away, like mm. play with play with the theme of time a little bit more. In my opinion, I think that would have worked a little bit better. Yeah, I think that obviously only... that's another yeah. nitpick, but I don't know. I just had a ton of fun with it. Uh, we can talk the post credit scenes a little bit. Absolutely. Um, so the first one, uh, we go to, these are variants of Kang. It is Immortus. He is the one with that purple hat. These, so these are three the three biggest variants outside of Kang the Conqueror. So it's Immortus. Yeah. Pharaoh Ramatut was the Egyptian-looking one. He was one. The, he, the first version of Kang in the comics. Yep, he appeared in yep, uh, one of the Fantastic Four. Yeah, he's he's, one, he's the original uh, big villain of the Fantastic Four, so maybe that could be the next time we see him, yeah, potentially. That'd be very and, cool. 
Then there was a third one. Uh, they think it could be the Scarlet Centurion. Uh, it's not what he looks like in the comics, but that is the third biggest known uh, version of the there character. There are a lot of interesting versions of Kang. Like, I wonder if we'll see, like, Iron Lad. I know he's yeah. another variant of Kang. And obviously, Kang, you know, he's a... I think in most of the universes, I'm pretty sure he's a loose descendant of Reed Richards. So yes. that's interesting. Um, I saw a lot of I saw a lot of criticism for the post credit scene. I don't really know or the mid credit scene. I don't really know why. I saw some people saying it felt like a skit, but like that was taken almost directly from a comic page. Yeah. So as a, as a fan of all that stuff, I I really liked it. I enjoyed it. I thought it gave me a little hope with the other version of Kang. Now I know that, and they say like, oh, he's dead. But do I believe that? I don't think I don't believe that. I think maybe that's what they want to believe because, again, Mm -hmm. they prop this one up like he's the most powerful. So, yeah, I'm sure that's what they want to believe. But uh, I I thought it was really cool. And then they go out into the basically like a Roman Coliseum and they're like, how many did you call? And he says, all of us. And, you know, you see a million different versions of Jonathan Majors. And this is really going to be able to show his going to show his skill as an actor and his range because he's going to have to play so many different versions of the same character. That that whole like arena coliseum looking place is kind of cool too. It reminded me a lot of Exegol and Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Like that that stormy lightning like like fuck Rise of Skywalker. That movie sucks. That movie but, blows. But Exegol, I get, no, I get Exegol what you're was super cool. Absolutely. I, I do like that. Yeah, the Sith planet um, is awesome. Yeah. So these three versions of Kang, they believe that the Avengers are going to restrict them from ruling the multiverse. So that's why I think they're going to branch off, and that's why you know Rama Tut might fight the Fantastic Four. Uh, yeah, dude, we desperately does something. I don't know. We desperately need the Fantastic Four and the X Men because mm-hmm. I, I think like, and this is another kind of nitpick, but being like, oh, the Avengers are going to restrict us from using time and space. Like, who? Like, what? Like, what Avengers are even at that level right now? Shang like, Chi and like, like the Captain Marvel, Miss Marvel. Like, obviously, Scarlet Witch probably isn't dead, but for the sake of what they want us to believe, she's dead right now. Yeah. So, what Avengers even have the capabilities of stopping you from ruling the multiverse? Yeah, right now, there really just isn't. I mean, so, there's a, a non yeah. super soldier serum Captain America. We desperately need um, more heroes like the Fantastic Four and the X Men to start coming in to actually yeah. pose a threat. Yeah. Because like I feel like that's a kind of weak comment when there is no one right now that could stop yeah. you from ruling the multiverse. So I'm just looking Doctor Strange. Doctor and, Strange, Thor, and Captain Marvel, I guess, are your what do you want to call it? Like, yeah, your Trinity your, your right big now. Three. Yeah. I mean, there's still a Hulk out there somewhere, but it's I, Smart Hulk. I have heard a lot too that uh with Kang the the Kang Dynasty and Secret Wars, that Secret Wars might be split into two parts, mm-hmm. and that it seems like the movies are gonna take place on Battle World, which yeah. is obviously huge from the comics. So I'm going to have to assume that by the t- by the time we get there, uh Doctor Doom will be introduced and he established be, yeah. because he is the catalyst behind the Secret Wars storyline. Obviously, mm-hmm. as much as Kang is, so is Doom. Uh, and dude, like I'm, I think out of all of the characters that are possibly going to be introduced over the next five years, uh, I am easily the most excited for Doctor Doom easily. because he is one of my favorite comic characters. He's just so badass. He mm-hmm. he's like he's the Marvel villain. Like he overarches on. Obviously, he's mainly a Fantastic Four villain, but he overarches on everyone. He is just the main guy. And he's set that such a big role. And obviously, like I just said, he has a huge, huge part to play in the two biggest movies coming up, both the Avengers movies. So, yeah, I'm assuming by then he's going to be established because if he's not, it will just feel weird to have that storyline without him. He's got to be. I agree. 
And then we can go into the second credit scene. It's also a teaser for Loki season two. Uh, we get the Victor Timely variant of Kang. So this is a version of Kang who went back to the 1900s in Wisconsin, created this uh, technology company that became the inspiration for Howard Stark, which is kind of cool. Um, but then it pans to Tom Hiddleston's Loki and Owen Wilson's Mobius, who I guess all of a sudden are friends and acquaintances again. Yeah, they're going to have to um, explain that. Yeah, so we'll have to explain that in season two. Uh, but we see them, and then you see Loki's face kind of just, his jaws drop. He's like, that's him. Mobius has no idea what he means. So he knows that's that's the variant of He Who Remains. Uh, and he is, I think, a pretty big deal in the comics. I did read at one point he's like Kang Prime yeah. in um, the Kang Dynasty. So maybe he turns into the Conqueror. I'm not really sure. I don't know how the time works and all yeah. that. Yeah, at first I wasn't as high on the post credit scene, but then I sat with it. I th- thought about what it was, and yeah, I'm pretty excited. Uh, Loki is awesome, and obviously Jonathan Majors is going to have to play a major part in the series. So, mm-hmm. like, yeah, man, that should be great. Uh, they definitely have to explain uh, how Mobius and Loki rekindled their relationship, considering like yeah. Loki didn't or Mobius no didn't idea who know who was. he was. But uh, as that aside, because I'm sure they will explain that, uh, I'm very excited for that, and I'm excited to just see more of Kang. Yeah. So in whatever whatever variant it may be. Oh yeah. There's another theory that I, I was poking around at when I was watching. There was so the Kang the Conqueror that we saw in this, he has pretty similar mindset to He Who Remains. How they want that one prime timeline. While he keeps complaining that the council wants to, uh, you know, manipulate timelines, have a bunch of different timelines, whatever. So what if somehow Kang the Conqueror eventually becomes He Remains? Right. Then that just resets, and whenever Sylvie kills him, then the whole timeline resets. That would be interesting, for sure. That's the whole time travel shit that makes my head spin a little bit. Um. I guess there's some way somehow that can happen. Yeah, I mean they have a lot to do. There's pretty much endless, uh, endless possibilities when you're dealing yeah. with a character like this. You can really do anything. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that is Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. I had it at a nine point two. You had it at a seven. Seven, seven flat. Seven. Wait, so with with yeah. room to grow as I sit with it more. But Maybe that's where I'm at for now. Again or, yeah. Uh, so that is my number one film of 2023 so far out of the out of the 15 that I've seen. Right on. Uh, my number seven MCU film. Uh, so we can get into our weekend six pack. Okay, you have, yeah. You have yours. So I'll kick it off with my first one, uh, Minority Report. It is streaming on Netflix, uh, starring Tom Cruise, Colin Farrell. Uh, it's like a, a sci-fi type film where you can predict you'd have these three um, kids like beings that can predict crimes. And Tom Cruise is part of a force. Right. Tries to stop those crimes. And eventually there is one that they see where Tom Cruise himself is the uh, criminal. So now he has to go on the run, kind of like the fugitive type vibes. Yeah. I love that movie uh, directed by Steven Spielberg as well. My first one is going to be a movie that was just announced for a uh, a sequel, one that I'm going to rewatch again. I am Legend. Uh, it's just it, honestly, the first movie is very good. I thought Will Smith killed it. 
Um, it's one of my favorite like apocalypse type movies. We talked about it since there's a sequel coming up. And honestly, since I've sat down and thought about it more, I am kind of excited for the sequel. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I definitely recommend watching I Am Legend if you haven't watched it ever. And if you have seen it, give it another rewatch. I'm sure it's been a while. It's not a it's not a movie I exactly see people running back to rewatch all the time. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, once once in a while it pops up on TNT or FX, and I'll throw it on for as a background right. noise or something. And that's streaming on um, HBO Max right now. HBO Max. And a little uh, post-apocalyptic Philadelphia in there as well. Yeah. Always fun. Always cool to see. Uh, my second movie is Edge of Tomorrow, another Tom Cruise banger. Uh, it's a sci-fi film again. Uh, it's set in this like world war against this alien. Uh, Tom Cruise dies, but he gets infected by this one alien. So he relives his day over and over and over again until he can defeat this uh, alien army. Uh, so it's Tom Cruise with Emily Blunt and Brendan Gleeson that we know from Harry Potter and Banshees of Anishirin. Just another fun. So I've been on a big sci-fi kick recently. Right. Uh, so th- this was the best of the best that I watched. I, I had it at a 9.2 out of 10, 9.3 out of 10, maybe so much fun. It's real different. One of the best sci-fis of the last decade, I'd say right on. Uh, my next one is like, I don't know if that's, it's a horror for sure. It might be a little sci-fi, but The Cabin in the Woods. It's on HBO Max also, and okay. I think it's one of the most interesting and like kind of unique horror movies that's come out. It's a little older at this point. I think it is from 2012. It's ten over 10 years old, but it's still pretty fresh and unique in what it does, and it has a good twist. And if you're into horror, I feel like, uh, and you haven't seen this, that is definitely something you would be interested in. I actually haven't seen it. See. I would give it a watch. Hemsworth, Kristen Connolly, Anna Hutchison, Jesse Williams. Interesting. Yeah, it has a pretty interesting twist in it. Um, it starts off like your typical uh, bunch of kids go out in the woods and they're, you know, getting hunted down. But the more you watch it, the more interesting it is. And it really does have go like places you would never expect. So I would check it out. Got it. I will also check that out. Ooh, hour 35. That might be on my watch list for tonight. Yeah, man, it's nice and short. All right, so my third and final one, it is a Bong Joon-ho banger. I mentioned it previously when your internet skits out uh, because of Steven Yoon was in it. Yes. So I got Okja. Okja is streaming on uh, Netflix. It's a Netflix original. Uh, one of the better ones that I've seen. Uh, starring, so it's Steven Yeun, Paul Dano, Jake Gyllenhaal, Tilda Swinton, and uh, Lily Collins. Uh, so there's this whole story of uh, this company, uh, bio engineers, these super pigs, these giant pigs. And then 10 years later, they send 26 of them to 26 farmers around the globe, kind of like a nature versus nurture type yeah. uh, study. Uh, then 10 years later, they pick the best pig and the best pig is Okja, the, the South Korean girl's pig. So then they take it from her. The girl goes on a uh, hunt to find her pig alongside uh, Paul Dano's group, who is this uh animal liberation front group animal rights group just a bunch of fun it it will make you cry i bawled my eyes out for a giant super pig uh <laughs> fictional and i i want a super pig so bad i sent this in our group chat last night of, of my screen i was i i want an oak just so bad i That's want a I super pig yeah uh, bong joon ho he has not missed um my last one is gonna be a movie that i had 
uh, watch from 2022 that was I watched it towards the end of the year. It wasn't on my top 10, it, like maybe top 20, but it's on Netflix. I'm not sure if it's new, but uh, The Woman King. Uh, you know, you haven't seen it, I don't believe. I have not, uh, no. It's pretty good. It's interest. It's interesting. It has good action. Uh, Viola Davis is great. Um, it's a. It's weird to say it's like an empowering movie because if you know the uh, the backstory, it's very very historically inaccurate. But for what it is, it's good, and I like mm-hmm. it a lot. Yeah, shit. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch it over the last couple nights. Maybe I'll get it. Maybe I'll shit. Maybe I'll just do Cabin in the Woods, Woman King tonight after I watch some Better Call Saul. Yeah, absolutely. Play. So I think that's all we got, right? You guys? That is that is all we got, brother. All right. So uh, obviously we did our. This is our first 2023 big review with this uh, mm. knock at the cabin. So uh, yeah, we'll keep an eye out on what's getting ready to come up uh, next week. I'm sure we'll come up with another draft to do. Obviously this week we had a lot to do with the review. Cocaine, cocaine bear coming out. Cocaine bear. Listen, I've heard nothing but fun things about that. So that might be something I definitely have to check out. I, I'm. De- I think I'm gonna go see it on Tuesday. Maybe. I'm. I'm excited for that one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, with the $5 Tuesday at AMC, you got to mm-hmm. take advantage. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, if, uh, we'll come back next week maybe with a review of that or, uh, you know, we'll definitely have a draft or a ranking or some, something like that. Yeah. Stay tuned to our Twitter and we'll uh, tweet it out uh, at box office underscore pod. Mm-hmm. And uh, from Vince, from Mike, thank you guys for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Hell yeah. Peace.